I believe there's a conspiracy to break up our spirit here. <clears throat> there is. Trust me, there is. Father, help us to get tuned back into you, get past the interference, to get past the distractions, to squelch within us the drift of our channel changer as we think about this afternoon and tomorrow and yesterday and what's going on and how I feel and blah, 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 blah and all that noise that keeps me from hearing your voice. Father, just, just wipe it away. Bring me to you. Bring me to you. The Lion of Judah. The Lion of Judah. I can't, I can't hear that song without seeing that climactic scene in the second Narnia movie about Prince Caspian where little Lucy, the youngest of the children, comes across the bridge in the face of an army of thousands. And she has on her royal robes because she's a queen in Narnia. And in her hand, she has this little dagger. And there's thousands of battle-hardened soldiers in front of her at the foot of the bridge. And they start laughing. And then suddenly they stop laughing. And they're thinking... Twice, because coming up from behind her, of course, is Aslan, the bigger-than-life lion. And he stands next to her, and she grasps her little dagger. And, and someone says, well, it's only a lion. And they start moving forward, and Aslan lets out a roar. And they're devastated. He calls the waters of the river, and it wipes them out. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's the God that Elijah has just experienced as he stood in a land that was a, a, a disaster because King Ahab, his eye had been captured by a woman from Sidon. We know her as Jezebel, but I like the Hebrew name. Itzavel. <laughs> you got to say it like that. Itzavel. Jezebel, her name, her name is actually an invocation of Baal, of the god of, of fertility. It means, where's the prince? And they would use that in their worship when they thought that, that Baal was somewhere in the underworld and they needed to summon him up to bring the fertility to the land and to the people. And her name means, where is Baal? That's what, that's what he's all about. Perfect. <clears throat> her, father's name, her, her father's name was Ethbaal. They, they were steeped in the, the, the cultic religion of, of Canaan. And she led Ahab around by his nose. I don't know what Ahab was like, but he wasn't very strong because Jezebel pushed and pulled and she ruled the roost from the queen's throne. And, and in this mess, there were hundreds of prophets of Baal. And Elijah, convinced that he was the only one, challenged them to the duel of altars on Mount Carmel. And God showed up big. You know the story. Fire fell from heaven and consumed the rocks on the altar. When God makes a statement, he makes a statement. 
We need to think about Carmel when we pray for the fire of God in our lives. You better be pretty cautious with that prayer. They cried out, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They're on their faces and, and feeling large and in charge. Elijah commanded that all of the prophets be taken down to the river and slain. He killed 300 prophets that day. And then he went to the mountain and he prayed for the end of the drought. You know that story. James recalls it for us in his epistle. And he has to send his servant seven times to scan the skyline and see what's going on. And the last time he comes, what did he say? I saw a cloud. Looked like the size of a man's hand. And that's all Elijah needed. That's all he needed. He told, he told Ahab, he says, you better get in your chariot and get home because you're not going to be able to drive on these streets in just a little bit. You'll be up to your axles in mud. That's exactly what happened. And, and in that process, Elijah bragged a little bit on what had been going on. He says, did you hear about Carmel? Did you hear what happened over there? He said, the Lord showed up and he proved who's who. And so I slew the prophets of Baal. Ahab says, gotcha. And he went home and he told Itzabel. Now, Jezebel, to me, you know, you know I have the entire Bible on this one big long movie in my head, right? And to me, Jezebel is like, like, ah. Uh, Maleficent, Ravenna, and Cruella DeVille all rolled up into one. And she stood up from her throne and she says, I don't know why she didn't send an assassin, but she sent a messenger to Elijah. She sent a messenger. She says, I swear, by the end of the day, you will be as the prophets of Baal. I'm going to see to it that you are dead And Elijah ran for his life. <laughs> he took off to the south. He ran as far as he could. He got out of Israel, went into Judah, got to Be'er Sheva. And at Be'er Sheva, I don't know if his servant was tired and was holding him back or what, but he says, here, I'm letting you go right here. I'm continuing on. And, and he let off his servant at Be'er Sheva and went on into the wilderness, on to the south. And he ran as far as he could and as hard as he could, and as long as he could, until he was just completely worn out. And he got, sat down under the only thing he could find that was like shade, and it was a, a broom tree, or a juniper tree, depending on which English version you're reading. Fell asleep. But his words as he was falling asleep was this. Oh, Lord, take away my life. I don't want to live. And the next thing was somebody bumping him, and it was an angel. Said, here, I fixed you some supper, have something to eat. So he ate. 
and good servant that he was, he fell back asleep. Sometime later, jostle, jostle, jostle. Angel woke him up, fixed him another meal. He says, here, eat this. He said, you got, you got some distance to go here, bud. <clears throat> you, need, you need some strength. So he ate. And he headed on farther south. In fact, the food that the angels provided for him gave him enough sustenance for 40 days. He went on 40 days without food, heading to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. What's Mount Horeb? What do you know about Mount Horeb? Horeb's the other name for Sinai. The earliest recollection I have of reading about Mount Horeb in the Old Testament was Moses, when he was working for Jethro, his father-in-law, as a shepherd out in the wilderness of Horeb. And he goes, what is that? And he looks and he sees a bush and it's on fire, but it's not being consumed. And as he approaches it, he hears his name voice coming out of the burning bush and he says take off your shoes you're on holy ground and the I am revealed himself I think I know why Elijah went horrible back to the beginning back to where the covenant with Israel was renewed over the ten commandments that were given on that mountain back to where God made the earth shake and, and the smoke billow, back to where the journey to the promised land really began. He got to Horeb, found him a cave. And in the cave, God came to him. And he had him stand at the mouth of the cave. And there was a windstorm. I'm talking bending the trees over windstorm. I mean, split the mountain windstorm. And it says, but God wasn't in the wind. And there was an earthquake, and the ground shook, and the rocks rinsed. But God wasn't in the earthquake. And, and finally, finally, there was a sound. And we hear it in English, a, a still, small voice. And you dig into the words, and my translation is a thundering whisper. And what did God say? He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? I love it. What are you doing here? Well, we know. We've, we've rehearsed this many times here. God doesn't ask questions to gather information. When he says, where are you, he's really saying, do you know where you are? When he says, why are you here, he's really saying, do you know why you're here? <clears throat> oh, and his answer. His answer. I... 
gave my life to you. I have been preaching faithfully your truth. I've demonstrated your power. I killed all them bad guy prophets. And now I'm the only one left. <laughs> Just kill me. How did he go from that fire to that level of burnout in such a short time? From the top of Mount Carmel to the valley of the shadow of death. How did he get there? What happened? Did he forget what happened? No, he just rehearsed it with God. He knew what happened. What in the world's going on with Elijah? He was burned out. You ever been burned out? You ever been burned out? No. We're anticipating quite a year here. We think that God is telling us this stuff's really stirring up and is happening, and we're pretty close to ground zero. We think that's what it seems to be. How are we going to keep from being burned out? How burnout is is almost pandemic in in many professions today. It is one of the hottest topics in in medical management today. Physician burnout. I work with I work with Christians who are physicians, and they do trust God, and they and they do. And, and they're great at what they do. They have a marvelous reputation throughout the community. They help people. They, they, they are instruments of healing for God. They, they have every reason in the world to feel fulfilled and active and productive, but they're feeling burnt out. Physicians across the country are burnt out. And... and I've thought about it a lot. Why are they so burned out? I mean, I, I know, but I don't know. I know because the administrative burdens that come today, the difficulty that they have in maintaining profit margin and running their own business, or just bailing on that, becoming employees of a larger organization and giving up all their control in their lives, and, and all of these things that go against the grain, particularly uh, physicians closer to my age who have spent the life with a certain understanding of what it means to be a physician, but it isn't that anymore. And, and I try to minister to my physicians. You know, Johnny told me, he says, he says they may call you executive director, but uh, I can tell you've been called up there to pastor that group. And it's truth. It is true. I try to minister to them. And, and, I, and I, I try to understand what this, what this hurt is. And I try to look at myself and the times in my life that I've been burnt out, and I have. I've lived long enough to have been burnt out many times. Read my resume, how many places I've been and how many different professions I've been in. You can pretty much guess that each one of those is preceded by at least a bit of burnout. What is burnout? What causes it? Where does it come from? Are we just the same as, as, as 
the rest of the world susceptible to a burnout? When we like to sing about the lion of, the, of Judah and, and we, we sing about running out of the grave and we sing about all this joy and all of that and I know that if I took a poll here today that at least half of you would admit to being burnt out to some degree in something that you're involved in. At least. Where does burnout come from? <sighs> the physicians that I work with are feeling, well, this is not what I signed up for. You see, burnout doesn't come from hard work. Burnout does not come from too much work. I mean, look back over your own life. Hasn't there been times when, when it just seems like you could you'd take on the world? And, and it's there in front of you, and it's, well, it's got to be done. And they just, you reach back, and you find that little bit more to get the job done. You know that feeling. That's not what burns you out. I mean, a good night's sleep will fix that. Here's burnout. If there's anything to jot down in all of, the, all of the message, this is it. Burnout is caused by hard work without success. It's hard work to no avail. It's hard work without productivity. It's hard work without seeing your goal, your vision, your dream fulfilled. That's where burnout comes from. You see, between our expectations and our reality is this long, shadowy place where heartache, disappointment, depression, sorrow, and burnout fester like mold in the corners of a dark bathroom. That's where it happens. That's what happened to Elijah. Elijah was feeling pretty confident when he spoke to Ahab. He said, I saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. You better get home or you're going to be stuck in the mud. That's a faith statement. That's a faith statement. Oh, and by the way, I killed your wife's favorite prophets. I don't know what Elijah thought Ahab was going to do with that information. But he took it right home to <clears throat> Maleficent Ravenna's Cruella de Vil. And, and set her off like a 4th of July skyrocket. And of course she came after Elijah. And Elijah was burnt out in what I think sounds like anger towards God. This is not what I expected. This is not what I deserve. I was faithful to you, and this is how you treat me. This is how you leave me, throwing me to that dog. This is, this is what it means to be faithful to you, Lion of Judah. 
Now, most of us don't have the nerve to actually say words like that to God. (laughs) But I've heard some pretty close in my life. And there's been a few times I've come closer than I would like to admit in public. David's, look, read the plaintiff psalms. He was pretty ticked off at God more than once when things didn't go the way he thought they should. (laughs) Elijah didn't get what he thought he should get. He did not get what he expected to get. I was talking with Phil this morning. We were talking about our our view of of things below and things above. <clears throat> and he reminded me, I get verse of the day from Bible Gateway in my email every day. And the, and the one for today is uh, from Second Corinthians five. And there's a passage there that is evoked almost all of the time at. Uh, funerals or when we're thinking about a beloved departed or someone who's getting ready to go or whatever. And it's often quoted like this. To be absent from the body, what's the rest of it? Is to be home or present with the Lord. That's not what it says. What? (laughs) What? It says, what it says is, to be present, to be home in the body, is to be absent from the Lord. It's not talking about eternity. It's talking about where's your home. That's what that passage is about. It's about setting your mind on things above. It's about understanding your identity as the redeemed child of God. It's about seeing things through spiritual eyes and not physical eyes. It's understanding that the stuff in this world is passing away. And I don't care how much of it you accumulate, you will have zero at your last breath. Zero. Everybody know that word? Zero. I even know the Spanish word for it. Cero. Sounds a lot like zero. Chinese, it's ling. (laughs) But it always means the same thing, this round circle with nothing in it. Physicians are burned out because they've taken, taken their eyes off of the joy of their ministry among people and doing medicine and helping folks and, and, and being with them at the birth of a child or at the death of a loved one and, and all of the stuff that goes with practicing medicine. And they've gotten focused on the other garbage that gets in the way and, and distracts them from that. And my friends... If your goal is anything other than what Paul describes in Philippians as to know and be like and be with Christ Jesus above everything else, you are going to be disappointed and you are going to be burned out because nothing in this world will satisfy what need you have in your soul. I don't care if the most popular televangelist says that you are owed a great life because you walk with God. That is bull. Stuff. It 
is. You know, Jesus in Luke 17 had this little, you never hear a sermon on this one, or seldom. I'm not sure I ever have. One of his little parables, when he says, he says, uh, which of you, who, who, who has a, a servant and has him work all day in the field? And when he comes in from the field at night, says, oh, hey, man, kick off your feet. I'll wash your feet. Uh, kick off your shoes. I'll wash your feet. Sit down and have some supper with me. No, when he comes in the house, we say, ah, good to see you. Fix my supper. What a parable. Jesus goes on to say, same with you. After you've done everything that you perceive God has told you to do, you just say, I'm just a servant. I'm just being obedient. I'm not waiting for a pat on the back, a tap on the head, or a little happy hug that comes in the form of health, wealth, and wisdom, and all the stuff that this world prizes. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about this planet, it's not about this world. And when you don't understand the, the, your goals, when you don't understand that your ministry is not the most important thing, everybody in here is trying to figure out where they fit in the kingdom of God. What is it you want me to do, Lord? I want to do it. And, and I think we probably would feel it real heavy over in this section. Because <laughs> for young people who are on fire for the Lord, you, you want to... You want to find your place. You want to find your reason. You want to find your mission. And that's great. You, you need to. But the great project of your life is your relationship with Jesus. Nothing else. And by the way, if you're working on that, you're going to drag a lot of people with you anyway. You won't help it. You'll become an ambassador. That's also what Paul talks about in that Corinthian passage. <clears throat> he says, be reconciled to God. You'll be an ambassador. Because, because it's like we're his message of reconciliation. It's a great passage, but it's not about dying. So, feeling burned out? It's okay if you are. But I'd like to help you change your focus on whatever it is that you're failing at and making you feel burned out and recognize that at which you cannot fail. <laughs> you cannot fail to be in the hands of the Lord. <laughs> if you feel entitled to something that God never promised, you're going to be disappointed. And, and entitlement will sneak up on you. I've watched it. I, I used to get my nose seriously out of joint working with physicians who make three hundred dollars to $600,000 a year. Like, I'm talking every year. <laughs> Complaining that it's not enough. It's like, how can that possibly not be enough? I'll tell you how it can possibly not be enough. Two years ago, I worked for Super Talk Radio. And I made a fraction of what I make now. I think I told you this already. And I had a day when I was getting nervous about my bank account. Sometime within the last year. It's not supposed to be that low. And God smacked me in the back of the head and said, 
That was like a whole paycheck at Supertalk. That's what my that's what my bank account would look like the day after payday at Supertalk. And at this point, I was worried that it was so low. It sneaks up on you. It reels you in before you know what's happened. That little lure comes by, and like a big dumb bass, you go for it. I don't care how many zeros there are in your salary. Thank you, Carrie. <laughs> you can always say, I just need a little bit more. I don't know how many billions it has to be before it's enough. <laughs> Nothing will satisfy. And, and, and the satisfaction that we have with Jesus has a very large chunk of faith involved in it. Because, yeah, <laughs> we are the children of God. What love he's lavished upon us. We're his children. John goes on to say, but you ain't seen nothing yet. He says, we don't even know what we will be. For when he appears, we'll be like him. There's, some, there's more coming. You see, when, when, when we're... That's why Paul says, I, I would prefer to be absent from the body in a home with the Lord. He's talking about his fulfillment. So, so at this point, we have to say that on faith. I am not a sinner. I am a child of God. And then I commit a sin. I say, hmm. I'm a spiritual being, but I inhabit this carcass of meat. I will not, and then I do. I'm going to, then I don't. Because we're in that tense period of living in the, in the now and not yet. And that tension is difficult to navigate. You're going to set your mind on things above. Dream a dream. Revel in a vision and be prepared for it to look very different. The last four years of my life were hard. <laughs> There's no, there are no words that leave that fully explained. And it's not uncommon for caregivers to get burned out. And I was very frustrated that I couldn't help my wife. Wanted her to get better. And the more I dwelt on that, the closer burnout came. By the grace of God, I don't think I ever quite got burned out. And in the end, he revealed to me that my job was not to heal her or to see that she got healing. What he had tasked me with was getting her safely 
to the door. that she stepped through six months ago. I succeeded. When we find out what it was he was calling us to anyway, and quit getting distracted by the stuff that we dream up in our own imaginations, we will have taken the best vaccination against burnout that ever was given. You'll burn out pursuing stuff that doesn't matter. And looking for some product, some result that was never intended. That wasn't in your control anyway. So as we stand here on the brink of a new year, And some of you are already tired. Ask yourself the question, what's burning you out? What unfulfilled expectation, what unmet perceived need, what off-center goal or not God-given target has been taking, sapping your energy? Because that's where the burnout's coming from. Now, how about you? How about you? You probably know somebody struggling with burnout. Say a quick prayer for them and now think about you. Think about what it is that is dragging you down, discouraging you. I love the word encourage and discourage because the word says it all. Encourage, I'm pouring courage into you. Discourage, I'm pulling courage away from you. What in your life is distracting you from that central vision the heavenly vision, the hymn called it, the chorus of which is, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will, go, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If you can get your eyes fixed on him, he will, he will he'll dazzle you like a snowy, sunny day where you're blinded by the brightness and you can't see any other detail. If you can get focused on him, all else will fade. If your sentence, all I need is Jesus and, and there's a blank in there, that blank has an idol that needs to be knocked down. Where's your energy going? What are you pursuing? In your relationships, if you're worried about getting your needs met, 
you're going to burn out in your relationship. As a parent or as a child, bad things happen. Burnout happens. We get frustrated and trying to make things work because, because our, our goals are just off. Want to raise a good kid, get a good education, get a good job, have married, get, get married and get me some grandchildren. No. I don't pretend to have it all together. It's easier at this point in my life to look at my kids and say, all I really want is take you home with me. Let God work on you right now. Pray this prayer, Lord, reveal Show me what's distracting me. Show me that which is not you. Isaiah said, why do you work so hard for that which is not bread? Well, he's the bread of life. We chase after such elusive and illusive things. They're not real. They're not substantial. And by all means, they are not eternal. And he will not disappoint. I promise you, he will not disappoint. He's here. He's with you. He said he will not leave us to the end of the age. Last I checked, the age is still going on. His mercies are renewed every day. His loving kindness, his grace, his mercy is forever uninterrupted. When we think, oh, he's not being merciful. Well, we're just dumb. We just don't understand mercy. It's like a child. He says, you're not being merciful, so you won't let me have chocolate-covered sugar bombs for breakfast. No, I'm being merciful. You're going to eat your eggs. We have a father who loves us perfectly. And every promise that has been co-opted by the name-it-and-claim-it folks is about the stuff that we know, that we know, that we know. And that is he loves us, he wants us, he's coming for us. He's preparing a place for us. We've got to get our heads out of this planet and focused on home. Yeah, I would rather be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. The older I get, the more that rings true to me. But God forbid that I'm at home in the body. <laughs>